Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, ownership, especially for the real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the experts, guys. Free land education here. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate, Sutton Properties, uh, along with my co-host who's out showing real estate today, Teresa Martin. Uh, she's not going to be with us this morning. Buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, just give us a shout. We'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. And our company website is www.allsuttonproperties, that's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N, properties, plural, dot com. Hey, all of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute and staff along with our members and our national websites, www.rliland.com. Hey, if you're buying or selling land, you want to work with the experts and people with additional education, uh, knows what they're doing, make sure you go to the website. We have agents all over the country, and there's about 500 accredited land consultants like myself that uh, went through rigorous training. Uh, and uh, so we're the we're the top of the of the of the herd there. But all of our members uh, are ready to help you out. So just go to the national website, put in the area you're looking for, and you'll locate one of the uh, one of our members somewhere near you. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land, LandHub is the place to be. Make sure you check out LandHub.com. Hey, our guest today is Carwin Owens. Welcome, Carwin. Well, thank you. Where are you calling from? Calling from Lynchburg, Virginia. Lynchburg, Virginia. What a great town that is. Where'd you grow up? I grew up uh, two places. I, I grew up um, South Carolina, primarily, outside of um, outside of Charleston. Uh, then my parents uh, were missionaries, and they raised me up over in Papua New Guinea. So wow. I was, I was raised about 10, 15 years over there, so... Um, Anyway, I've got two cultures in me. Yes, sir. Did you ever go back? I did to go visit. Yes, sir. Went to visit uh, a couple of years ago when my father passed away. Yes, sir. Good for you. What? What? Um, uh, thank you for their service, you know, and thank for being part of the family. It's uh, what an opportunity. Yep. You're with Advanced uh, Land and Timber. Uh, your company, and we're going to talk about that this morning, covers South Carolina, North Carolina. Georgia, Texas, Alabama, Virginia, Mississippi, Louisiana, and that's called the Great Southeast. Uh, so uh, quite, a, quite, quite a territory you got there. Now, you're a licensed agent in Virginia and North Carolina like myself, and you graduated from Liberty University. What a great school that is, with a business degree in economics. And after graduating, you began your career in the uh, hardwood lumber industry, with different lumber companies and sawmills, which we want to talk about today, uh, distributing yards uh, as a buyer and seller of hardwood lumber from the Midwest to the East Coast. And then from 99 to 05, you uh, started your own business and uh, to help out some timber track companies in West Virginia and the Southern Timberlands. And then you worked with uh, Southern Timberlands selling their inventory uh, in 2005. Uh, then you were buying large timber tracks and subdividing from the rural developments. Uh, and then from 09 to 13, you worked as a private timber ownership, selling and purchasing timberlands for them. And then in 13, you started with Advanced Land and Timber, buying uh, for them in Virginia and Northeast North Carolina timberland and agland markets. And you also managed timberland for TMOs, that's acronym for uh, uh, private trust. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning too. And we also have experience with ag land and selling from dairy farms, poultry farms, cattle farms, and croplands. Carmen, you got quite a background. In addition, you, you. you've also had experience with easements. We're talking about conservation easements, and you also have a lot of experience with just easements. I teach that in my uh, four-hour CE class, continuing education class for the uh, uh, state of North Carolina, and actually I have a class coming up 
on June the 4th from 1 to 5. If you'll go to my master website, letstalkland.net, uh, that has all the information. You do not have to be uh, a real estate agent to uh, take one of my classes. So we usually get appraisers and attorneys and, and people that own land are interested in selling. So it's a good base class. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about land, join me. It's a virtual class, so you can actually take it anywhere in the country. So we'll cover our full listing audience. You also uh, uh, had experience in mitigation banks. Now that's we're talking about wetlands there, where if you have a uh, uh, parcel of land and you have identifiable wetlands and there are certain criteria there, you can actually mitigate that and sell those credits to a developer. Uh, that's another whole show, by the way. And I did have uh, the Swamp School on one of my earlier shows, podcast, that covers that in detail. Solar farms, which is becoming real popular now. And, of course, mining properties and commercial properties. So uh, you've had quite a range of background. Uh, you're also from South Carolina, and you, as you mentioned, and married to Mary and have two daughters, uh, Claire and Anna Gray. How old are they now? Well, Anna Gray is um, graduated. She's a school teacher, married here, living in Lynchburg. Okay. And uh, and Claire is uh, a sophomore at, at Samford in Birmingham, Alabama. Wow, what a great school that is, too. Right. So uh, I'm sure you're proud of both of them. No grandchildren yet, I assume. No, not yet. Okay, Hoping. well, you, you know, you're still a young man. <laughs> and you like to enjoy fishing, of course, saltwater and and duck hunting, and if you're in the land business in any format, uh, you know, our office is the uh, beautiful outdoors God created for us. So, um, you know, that's that's what I enjoy most about what I do is being out in nature. I thought today some of the questions that our audience have asked me uh, recent times and been wanting to get uh, you on the show here for a while is uh, timber, you know, I, I, I own a track of land and I have a stand of timber, uh, you know, What's it worth? Or you know, I want to sell it. How do I sell it? Uh, you know, then you got the uh, you got the uh, jobbers that come in and cut it. Then you got the sawmills uh, that uh, take the logs and saw them up, and then they go to finishing. Uh, sometimes they finish them at the logmill, and then uh, they go through distribution. One of the questions that comes up uh, from time to time: What's uh, the difference between timber and lumber? Timber is the, the growing product that's in your you know, standing, and lumber is the finished product once the, after you know, the sawmill has sawed it up. Um, and it, it, could be, it could take the form of a dimension product, like your 2x4s you know, for building, or 2x6s and things like that for decking. Or it could take on a rough product like a hardwood, as in just a, a one inch by you know, a random width. And what furniture companies will go and yield there. So it's, uh, you know, it, uh, lumber is, um, is basically the finished product after a sawmill. And um, your timber is growing uh, for a future product, you know, harvest at some point in time. Right. So when you're talking about that one inch, you're talking about veneer uh, trees. And that's usually a, a tree that uh, doesn't have a lot of limbs. Uh, and the lower branches, so you don't have those uh, those beautiful patterns. Uh, it's more the natural, uh, uh, well, as you as you see on the table, the beautiful uh, grains uh, that you see. Right. So, I want to sell my timber. What what should I do? What's the first thing I should do? How, how do I get help? Where first, do I go? First thing you should do if you're selling your timber, well, um, you figure out what kind of. You want to make sure if you have a hardwood timber or a pine. And, you know, if you have a pine timber, uh, any forester can cruise both. But you'd like to find a, say, if you have a hardwood stand where you live, primary, you'd like to find a hardwood forester, a forester that understands hardwoods. And, uh, of course, you can call your, your Virginia or North Carolina Forest Department. They'll give you some names. Or you can look them up. Um, nowadays, a lot of them are on the Internet. But um, you want to find somebody who has experience in whatever product is growing on your property and you want to get a cruise and a cruise is basically just simply the counting of the timber that's on your track and giving you the board footage or the tonnage if you will on that track and what the difference is a lot of your grade lumber your hardwood lumbers are 
are counted by board footage, and your pine is generally sold by the tonnage. And so, depending on what you have on there, whether it's loblolly pine or whether it's um, hardwood, great hardwood, um, you would try to um, hire that forester to come in, cruise your track, and tell you exactly what you have on the property, so you know going forward how much you have to sell and how you'd and then also advise you on what to sell and how to sell it. Okay, now you've got two types of foresters. You have a consulting forester, uh, and you also have a uh, registered forester. What's the difference? The, um, <laughs> or is there a difference? The, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a difference between a registered for. I mean, registered, a registered forester is a forester with a, um, you know, accreditation with the uh, consultant. Consultants can be registered foresters, too. Right. Um but um, a consultant forester working with, um, privately on his own will work generally as a for commission. So they'll come cruise your track, and um, based on the fact that if you you said, "Hey, I look, I'm going to sell this timber," and they said, "Look, we'll cruise the track, we'll count, um, and you'll, you'll discuss how in depth of a cruise you want," and um, and then they will say, okay, we'll, we'll want a 5%, 6% commission for that. We won't charge you for the cruise. Um, you can uh, hire, if you don't want to sell the timber, you can hire them and they'll charge you a fee for cruising that timber. Either way, um, you, um, you, want to, you want to hire a registered forester, right. most likely. Uh, there are some, uh, not, I say, foresters by experience out there, some older guys that have worked in it and have been in the industry for a long time. Those guys, if you've got somebody who's not a registered forester, what you want to do is say, hey, give me some uh, references, please, and uh, call the references up and see how they've done in their sales. And that's fine, too. If they've got good references, it's it's not a problem hiring a non-registered forester. You just want to make sure you're hiring somebody who's experienced in counting that timber. If you're getting a non-registered forester, you just got to make sure that um, when you're selling the property, the timber, a lot of the, that he's got a good reputation in the, uh, within the industries and they all know him real well. And because that will help with the uh, evaluation with the companies that are trying to buy your timber, they'll be stronger on the values when they, uh, they have confidence in his crews. So you've also got the state foresters and, they're pretty much involved with uh, a lot of these uh, states have uh, uh, deferments where you're uh, you're giving a, a tax reduction credit for uh, having in our area 20 acres of more standing timber. Uh, so right. that the county requires that there's some type of uh, forestry plan, and that's what mostly your state foresters are doing, right? They're not doing for sale. Isn't that correct? No, no. State foresters generally do not get involved in sales or property. Right. Uh, not at all, but um, but but once you get the forester, once you find your forester, then you get to determine um, what kind of you know what, what kind of harvest you want, what kind of and you you should always go in um, with a harvest of your timber with the an exit plan, knowing of the whole property, understanding what that timber cut's going to do to your property at the end. But even if you only plan, if you don't plan to sell the property after you harvest it, that's, but even if you plan to sell the property, you know, 30 years from now or never sell it, maybe for your relatives to sell it, there still has to have an exit plan, understanding what that harvest is going to do to your property and its value. So always go into that with your eyes wide open. Don't look at just the, the number you're getting for that timber. Look what it does to the value of your property also. Yeah, that's very important, and that's part of your forestry management plan too, uh, which right. uh, you know uh, that uh, helps you make those decisions uh, because uh, right. there's different. And we'll talk about that here in a second uh, about the, the different types of cuts. Hey, our guest today is uh, Carwin Owens. He's with Advanced Land and Timber. So go to their website www.advancedlandandtimber and kind of follow us along here. And this is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our 
sponsor, LandHub.com. Looking to buy or sell land, go to LandHub.com. I've got a small track of timber, you know, a uh, couple acres. Uh, should I call you? I mean, who do I call? Uh, you know, obviously that's not going to be a tremendous amount of money. You know, maybe I'm wanting just to cut it to clean up part of my land there for some other use. I want to build a building or something. What kind of parameters just to help our audience out uh, when we talk about selling your timber? What are we really talking about? So, again, it's, it's, the, it's the timber that's growing on there. Uh, Loblaw pine trees are hardwoods. I've seen um, five acres of, of 90-year-old hardwoods bring significant amount of money, you know, bring uh, one just about $35,000 recently, wow. um, of five, just five acres. However, that was 90 years old. So, you know, get the forester in there, know, know the age of your timber, look at the timber, the quality of timber. Um, or if it's Lobelite pine, you're probably going to look at 20 acres minimum of mature, you know, 20, 30-year-old pine. Make it a forester's, uh, I mean, loggers worth time to get there. One of the costs, one of the things you have to understand with um, logging tracks is a lot of equipment involved and moving. So the logger has to move in his feller buncher, he's with his skid steer, and all that. Once you move on, that all costs money. So you want to make sure, uh, hopefully, that your tra- your timber is mature enough, but also there's enough value there, depending on if it's pine or hardwoods. Um, and then the other thing you want to look at, too, is location. Uh, if you are 60, 70 miles away from the nearest sawmill or pulpwood mill and stuff, you're going to have, if there's smaller tracks, you're going to have a much more difficult time to sell your timber versus those smaller tracks close, you know, within 10 to 20 miles of the mill. Again, it comes down to the same old real estate motto location 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 exactly that's all about where your wood is located well you got fixed costs and that's going to eat up into your profit so right. like anything right. else it does cost so you know you got to right. compensate them for that that makes sense all right right so how do i decide what to cut is that something you know i have some ideas too but dealing with someone like you may say well you know, I know you're not interested in maybe cutting that area over there, but that's where the money trees are. And then you've got the process right. of clear cutting, where you, I mean, you literally cut everything. You see it as you ride down the road, or what we call select cut. Now, as a developer, I've developed over 60 rural tracks, and quite a few of them I use the uh, timber to buy the land and then uh, would develop around that. But I never did like doing the select cut if I was going to resell it. Because uh, usually the buyers for that are going to be your your recreational folks and your uh, your hunters because they don't want to spend a lot of money per acre to uh, have that tied up in a recreational track. So, uh, again, that's part of your job, right, in consulting. And one of the other things, too, uh, when you do have your timber cut, especially if you're developing, the timber guys are actually putting your roads in because they've got to go in and develop areas to take the timber out. And I've developed around what we call the logging roads and then go in and improve those. So give us some thoughts on that. Well, you're, ab- actually, you're absolutely right. Um, I should hire you. You said everything what I usually say. Oh, I'm sorry. Please. But um, timber, so what, again, it's that exit strategy. You, if you're a developer, right, you want to make sure you're, you know your client that you're selling to, correct? So you want to leave. So knowing what your plan is, for the exit that property is what you should do one of the things just some simple things i know is um say you have a loblaw pine plantation and it's all it's 16 17 years old and you're trying to decide well do i clear cut it or do i select cut it well one of the things we've noticed in the past four years in virginia actually it's been longer than that is the going rate for um loblaw pine plantations say for sussex and southampton counties was going around 14 to $16 a ton, right? Right. Well, the the salt timber, which salt timber is the age of 35, um, salt timber was bringing only $20 a ton. Well, you can literally do two rotations of pulpwood and get 31 to $32 a ton. 
and time of money too. I guess so. I recommend clients. I say, look, you may not like the aesthetics of it. If you don't plan to sell it, you may want to clear cut it. You're going to generate more cash flow, more profit by doing a select a clear cut than doing a select harvest on it. Um, because right now, salt timber is not bringing the prices it should be. So, but you got also got to know your market because that's for Southampton, Sussex. That's true, but for Pennsylvania County. Right now, we can get $30 a ton for salt timber. So then that client, you want to say, hey, you might want to just do a select cut and grow for salt timber because the market's stronger down here for salt timber. So, it, again, it goes in where, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. And um, if you're a recreational hunter, you might want to leave. You may not want to clear cut your hardwoods because, you know, hardwoods take 50, 60 years to come back. And so you might want to do a select cut for if you're a rec, you know if you're a hunter, um, and you may and and then on the other end, you may say, well, let's clear cut and replant with pine because I want pines growing faster and I can get a better cash flow situation. So again, it all depends on what your plans are after you harvest it and the return you're going to get. So it may make um, financially be. Um, judicial for you to do a clear cut and um, so uh, again it's going to be by situation by situation but whatever property you're working on and what your plans are for the future yeah and then the, the forester is going to help you uh, should you replant maybe in a loblolly uh, forest or let it grow back in its natural because that depends on the uh, variety of species in the market area that you're in uh, they may say you really don't want to replant or you may just want to replant in this area because of the topography or because of the soils uh, or access to water, uh, you know, that's part of the uh, evaluation process too, right? Right, that's correct. However, we do have the seed tree law. Um, the seed tree law is if that client that planted that original pine received um, matching funds from the state, um, then we have to address that. Okay. So it's going to be up to the forestry department, sure. And you, you know, understanding what um, what your plans are for the future for that property. And you, know, of course, they're now carbon credits. I did a show on that. Uh, if you leave okay. your for, if you leave your plantation, I believe it's sixty years instead of harvesting it. You know, eighteen, twenty, thirty years. If you leave it for right. sixty years, you can apply for carbon credits. Are you seeing much of that right. out there, Carmen? Not in Virginia. There is um, one of the companies, the Timos that you mentioned, um, Malpas, is right. um, they're out of Mississippi. Yep, they are. They are they are getting involved in carbon credits. However, I don't think any of their Virginia holdings are going to be involved in. It. I'm not quite sure. Sure. But I do know they're involved in it. Well, this is something new um, too out there. It's kind of now that we're moving it, in that it's direction. It's rather new. There's, there's got to have. You've got to have some kind of. Um, market for it, and, and right now the only market for carbon credits really still is, is um, California. As uh, last time I checked, yeah, there's it, one I interviewed. That's in, yeah, there's one California in Houston. Is the only market. There's one in Houston, Texas, I interviewed last year. And, oh, there is. Yeah, okay. they're actually doing uh, all, all right. the, the types well, of. Credits. I did not know that. Yeah, I'll, I'll hook you up with them for the future. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's what this show does. We're networking. We put folks together. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yes, sir. But uh, so okay, so now we're at this stage. And how do I sell my timber? Now, there's different ways. Uh, you can actually uh, uh, get in the old yellow pages, you know, the search engines now, and locate the, uh, again, distance is key because the closer it is, if they're, if they're um, operating for your type of timber, you know, the more money you should make, okay, because of the logistics. Uh, but there's also um, uh, the seal bid, uh, which I like better where you got people competing uh, we had a gentleman in our area that had inherited over 700 acres, uh, been in the family since before the Civil War, and he learned about timber years ago. And instead of cutting large, you know, 50, 100-acre tracks, he would do the 30 and 40-acre tracks every other year. And I said, why, you, why don't you just cut more of this? And he says, well, it gets the smaller buyers in, and I actually get more by because uh, I got more people bidding on it than if I'd sell it as a big track. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think that it, he's right. 
he's he's right on that on, on on one aspect. Again, that leans more toward hardwood and not as and lavalier pine. Right. Um, however, um, you know, thinking thinking through that, um, he, he has to pay attention to the market, right? Exactly. So the market goes up and down. Um, right now, hardwoods are strong, so is that, but but they were down. So you also want to watch. You hire the forester. You want to talk to him about the market. The market, for example, the pine pulpwood is is going down right now, and because of supply, um, it's, there's an oversupply situation in Virginia, so it's going down. So you want to you want to time your sale when the market's higher, if you can, if you don't need the cash at points. And we call this banking on the stump. So banking on the stump, really, all that means is you look at the market. If the market's not strong enough at that point in time, you just let it sit there. Because sure. those trees are growing at a rate, well, the loblaw pine trees I'm speaking of, excuse me, but they're growing at a rate of 7 to 8% a year. So you just wait. You said, look, the market's not strong enough right now. I'm going to wait till next year. While you're waiting, your trees are growing at that 7 to 8%. It doesn't matter what's going on whether it's COVID going on or anything, those trees continue growing. So you're banking on that stump. You're, you're, you're gaining interest while you're waiting for the market to get stronger. And hardwoods, you've got a lot slower growth, depending on, obviously, what part of Virginia you are. Some are, some are faster in the lower bottomlands, and then uh, the poplars, of course, grow faster. But you're looking at a 2 to 3% growth there. And, but even then, you can wait for the market. And and the sea and the seasons too, a wetter market. I mean, wetter a wetter season. Excuse me, a wetter season. And if your track can be logged in the winter time, what we call winter harvest, where the soils uh, drain well and you can harvest in the winter time, that timber tends to be more valuable than the track that you need to wait till summertime to harvest. So. Watching your seasons and watching the market, you, you're, you're going to rely on that forester to guide you on those prices. Perfect. So now if you do a sealed bid, you know, it might be uh, four to six weeks uh, from the time you send out, because what you do, send out your timber crews affidavit to potential buyers, and then you set up a date uh, auction, specific time and location. And sometimes it's just like uh, auctioning a farm or land off or a house, uh, you know, you, you you want four to six weeks to market it, advertise it, to get the most uh, buyers there. So that's uh, right. Right. Now, do you like the lump sum, or do you want to do it by piece? Uh, I like the lump sum personally. I don't quite trust the by piece, quite frankly. But you know, that's just my opinion. Can you explain why okay. I feel that way? <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So the difference between lump sum is they they'll offer you. Say there's a hundred thousand dollars worth of timber, and they offer you a hundred thousand dollars for it, uh, and so you're fine. The per piece is every log, every tree that leaves that property is weighed or, and, and scaled, and goes into the mill and weighed and scaled, and then they pay you per piece per tree. And if you've got effective logger, what? The difference is, though, that these loggers that bid on it, though, when they bid lump sum, they're always going to give a fudge factor in there. They're always going to say, well, we're going to say the, the, the tonnage or the board footage is within 5% temperature. So they're, they're, going to, they're going to come off about 5%. Right. Um, however, um, sometimes they may not count as they may count even more aggressively or less aggressively than the forester did. So you're hoping that they are more aggressive than your forester counted and they pay you stronger than what your forester came up with. But per piece is if you've got, you've got to make sure you're dealing with honest loggers. You can do that, no problem. You just got to match up their delivery tickets and, and make sure that there's a accounting for every, every tree that leaves your property. And that's your forester's responsibility. Um, but if you're dealing with honest loggers and honest foresters, you generally come out a little bit stronger. However, the cash flow is comes out. It, you're paid in increments throughout the logging process. Okay. Our guest today is Carwin Owens with Advanced Land and Timber. 
Um, this is Let's Talk Land. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. If you're buying or selling land anywhere in the country, LandHub.com is the place to go. You know, one thing when you are selling your timber, a lot of times your timber contracts, or at least the ones I've been involved with, are a two-year contract. So once you made the agreement to sell the timber, an attorney uh, or someone, it should be attorney, will write up a timber contract, and there's standard forms for that, that spells out the terms and conditions and the amount that you're receiving, and then the time, and usually it's about two years, in my experience, that the, uh, the buyer has to actually harvest that timber. Uh, can you address that for us? Yes, sir. So that's also important to you. Um, so, again, it goes back to your exit strategy. Um, when you want to do something on a property, because if you have plans to... I don't know if you wanted to put a if you plan to put a open some pasture in an area, and you wanted to have that pasture up and running within a couple of years, uh, and the logger doesn't if you if you sign that contract for two years, he can come in the last month of that two years and log it legally, and you can't do anything about it, and basically your opportunity of putting that pasture in or whatever your plans were are building. Um, it's delayed. So make sure when you do that, those, those timber contracts that it fits within the schedule that you're working on. And um, sometimes, um, also, might want to, on the side note here, if the logger, if, if you didn't get your, the offers you wanted strong enough or you didn't get or something, the, the price wasn't quite where you wanted to be, uh, feel free to talk about adding a year to it. That, um, well, by adding that year, it may conf conflict with your schedule, but it sometimes gets the gives the logger a little more uh, room to maneuver, and he's more willing to pay your asking price or, or, get, or give you a few extra um, bucks per acre. Um, and if it's and if, if it doesn't bother you to do that, you might want to consider those because a three-year or longer um, timber contract, uh, loggers are always trying to juggle their log because weather affects their logging Absolutely. a lot. And uh, if you, especially last year, was so wet, a lot of jobs got delayed. A lot of jobs were there were even contracts were extended. Um, and if the logger calls you, extend the contract. Please ask for more money. Always, um, that's a, another way for you to get a few more bucks for your property, for your timber on your property. But, um, yeah, um, the time, if you've got a short time frame and you've got significant quality timber on there, you can do a one-year log uh, timber. Um, I've seen it done, but it, it has to be a track that uh, is not affected by weather and has to have significant about it, you know, some valuable timber or sure. that, what that logger needs at that time. Okay. Let's move into, because this is a land show, and I'm a realtor, right. and guess what I do? I help people buy and sell land. And I also am a teacher, the only land instructor in the state of North Carolina with a CE class, and I'm finding out I'm the only one in the United States. There's no land education out there in our industry, formerly other than the Realtors Land Institute, which we do jam-up job. But... Um, um, I always talk about, when I first interview a client, about buying or even selling uh, about the value of the timber because I call it cash. It's not $100 bills, but it's something, as we just discussed, Cohen, that you can liquidate in a very short period of time, okay? And that's kind of unique. But if you're looking at, if you've got an investor that's looking for a recreational track, you know, they're probably going to look for something because of the per acre price. There's always a basis to land, at least in my experience, and we use in our market area, and this is a national show, so you can check with your local realtor, but we use about $1,800 to $2,800 on a piece of land that the timber's been clear-cut uh, because the land always will have a basis. And then if it's got a 10-year growth or a 20-year growth or a 30-year growth, then you got to evaluate that timber. Someone knows what they're doing is going to put some type of value or if it has mature timber on it. Uh, then that's even going to be more value, and you can justify the asking price or the selling price based on timber. Can you help us out with that? Yes, sir. So that that is very critical, and I explain to people all the time. And uh, let's let's 
start with one of the basic things that people misunderstand as they have you, know, you have clear cuts where um, the forester that they've logged they clear cut it and um, and then you have what we call young pine plantations where the pine is only two years old people call that clear cut that is not a clear cut that's replanted pine um, and that is a different value so um, we use, um, in, in the rest of the state of Virginia, you're in a little higher end, Lou, uh, area. Sorry. But our average um, bare land value right now in Virginia, right now, is for timberland, you know, Loblaw pine plantations and stuff, is running about $1,300 an acre. Okay. And then plus the timber value. But that's for per 100 acres, is our value we utilize right now. But going. Um, but what I tell people, those young pines or those young hardwoods all have a value. Um, pines have a, va- a higher value than the young hardwoods do because the hardwoods take so long. If your hardwoods are in the 30-plus-year-old, even though they're pulpwood, they've got a pretty good value. You're, you're going you're gonna to see that value increase. Pines do the same thing. They um, All the way up to the age 15, you know, they're at one rate. I use a, a good number for the state of Virginia is $50 per acre per year of value. And that's okay. based on a $12 a ton, uh, excuse me, based on $10 a ton um, property. So, but that has a value to you. So look, have an extra strategy. Look at your timber. Look, look what you're buying. If it's a natural stand, it's probably, uh, you know, look at that. Have it, um, Take a look at it or have somebody with some knowledge when you uh, a realtor that has experience in land, have them give you a value on the timber. And um, because at some point it's going to have, whether if it's lobby pines growing at 7 to 8% a year, hardwoods growing at 3% a year, that's all growing money. And um, just like you said, Lou, that is those are dollar bills stacked up there. Money growing on Older trees. The timber is, they're all dollar bills. Money but, growing on trees. <laughs> that's right. It, 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 and it's very liquid. You can sell it as tomorrow, you know, providing the weather. Now, if you have a track that's in the swamp where you can only log it when it's very dry, you know, that's an exception to the rule. But for the most part, if you're within 40 or 50 miles of a mill and it's loggable timberland, you can sell it fairly quick within that year, quickly. Well, the moral of this story is you need to work with a real estate agent that has land experience. <clears throat> and That's like right. I said, our industry, uh, we really don't have in the syllabus uh, in the real estate schools, uh, it's 90%, 95% houses because that's uh, that's 98% of the 1.4 million realtors in the United States or whatever it is now. You know, that's what they deal with, and it's usually urban areas. So you don't want right. to get somebody that's working in Richmond uh, and been selling houses for 30 years to go out and list a million-dollar piece of land uh, especially if it's timber on it or other assets. I mean, why would you do that? But they don't know. So, you know, hopefully, and I'm not picking on anyone. I'm just trying to let everybody know that, uh, you know, if there are people that specialize, and this is matters of consequence. You want to have the experts like yourself and your company, Advanced Land and Timber, if you haven't been to their website. Uh, please go there, and we'll talk about that towards the end here. Um, so what's going on in the in – the, uh, timber market right now uh you know it's all over the news and it's not just timber it's metals it's other things it's uh silicon chips it's uh it's just crazy out there but what what's going on and why is uh why do why is a two by four cost so much or uh, a sheet of plywood um well so as y'all know and it actually obviously everything everything nothing happens just right away everything builds up toward that but in, um, I'm going to give you the reader sizes version as quick as I can. But uh, in 2000, everybody knows 2006 and 7, the crash, uh, housing starts just fell to almost nil, and people stopped cutting timber. And so what you had was a lot of timber, especially in the state of Virginia, people, uh, the market for timber, uh, pulpwood and salt timber, just dropped. I mean, went. Um, went down to below 50%. And um, so what we had, we had all this growth. And and 
the harvests were dropped, everything was dropped, so it growth. We also had a lot of sawmills go out of business. We had a lot of loggers go out of business. And um, so product productions went out. And then we had, you know, we started to increase slowly. Loggers are coming back. But sawmills are very expensive, especially a pine sawmill. It's a very expensive endeavor and time-consuming because you got to go through the regulations and everything. So you don't see a lot of those pop up every now and then. And what happened was the COVID hit, sawmills cut back, and um, housing starts took off, and we had a shortage. However, the sawmills, when they fired back up to beat that need, we have plenty of timber. We have an overabundance of timber right now. We have over... 15-year supply of saw timber in the state of Virginia right now. Probably more than that. I, I'm, I'm probably understating that. But um, it would it would take probably easily 10 more years of what we're going through right now to consume the saw timber we have in Virginia. So we have an oversupply situation. And the mill, we, we don't have enough uh, mills. So it's kind of like a funnel. you got all this wood and you're trying to shove it through a little teeny funnel because you only have two or three you know four five large sawmills in the state that can handle capacity and um so really i I don't mean to be so simple about it but it's a simple uh, they can get all the wood they can and uh, and remember this sawmills run at one speed full capacity so the only way they can produce more wood is to add another shift or add another line to it. So um, the mills that we have, we've, um, we've got another mill supposed to be coming online down toward, um, just over the line in North Carolina in Enfield, just below Rocky, uh, Roanoke Rapids. Right. Um, however, it's, it's still going to be probably a good year or so away. The, a, new, a European company bought out another European company that couldn't get it running, but... Um, but the problem is, again, we have oversupply of uh, timber right now. And we need more sawmills. Right. Well, according, according to the IBIS World Market Research I pulled off their website, <clears throat> there's over 3,000 businesses in the United States in the sawmills and wood production industry. It includes hardwood, softwood, lumber, as well as wood chips and wood product preservation. Uh, uh, U.S. Lumber Coalition states that 550 lumber manufacturing facilities in the country. And of course, the biggest one, and this is a 2017 search of the top five, are Weyerhaeuser, Georgia Pacific, West Fraser, Sierra Pacific, and Interfor. Um, and what I'm seeing is that's where the, uh, the inflation uh, is happening. Uh, it's, not the, it's not the person selling it. I saw a chart going back to 1980 and what the, uh, uh, the timber owner uh, was getting in 1980 versus today is not that amount of tremendous increase. Uh, and then the, uh, the, uh, the logger and the, uh, and the, uh, the manufacturing, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, I'm 70, it don't work like it used to, uh, the, the logging firm, uh, their, their markups have not gone up that much. And, of course, your distribution, your big boxes, uh, especially your Lowe's and your Home Depot's, they're still working on their 3 to 5% margin. So what I'm saying is where this huge increase is the big five, of which two of those are privately owned, and three of them are, are, are major uh, corporations with stocks going up as much as 480% in the last year. Uh, that seems what I'm hearing is where the finger's being pointed. And, and, and the sawmills are making the the, saw, the sawmills will tell you, and I've talked to many of them. They've made more money in the last two years than they have in the previous forty. Exactly. Um, but but saying all that, um, we just don't have enough mills. If we had obviously more sawmills, there'd be more competition and uh, more room for our wood to go through. Um, one of the things too is our logging practices, our equipment. We're, we now, from, even from as short as 2006 till now, we are doubling our production capacity. Um, our, you know, all our feller bunchers, our equipment, everything. We are, we can log hardwoods and pine 
much more efficiently than we could even as uh, as long ago as 2006. So we can we can harvest more with less now than we ever have been. In your professional opinion, over the next 12 months, uh, where do you see uh, uh, timber prices at at the retail going to be? Um, timber prices are going to remain flat right now until we see another mill come on board or weather affecting it. So two by um, fours and plywood's going to stay pretty much where it is now, or will it decrease? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, there, there's there's a little pressure, and there's little pockets of pressure throughout Virginia and North Carolina. For example, Pennsylvania County, there's more mills there. I mean, outside of North Carolina, there's so there's more demand for the wood there than over and over in Richmond County, North Carolina. Um, the the prices of saw timber over there because there's three or four sawmills there, and there's a demand for. So if you're in those little sweet spots, or you're within 60, 70 miles of those areas. You're going to get a real good. The, your demand for your saw timber is going to be very strong. And uh, but if you're not in those sweet spots, um, like Virginia, unfortunately, we have um, a lot of monopolies. We have West Rock, which is um, four or five mills, so they control pulpwood prices. Um, and right now, we see pulpwood prices uh, dropping. You know, hopefully staying right around eight dollars. But there, I'm sure there'll be some downward pressure below eight dollars a ton. Which is which is low. So let's talk about just the investment, uh, especially like these trusts, timber trusts and stuff, uh, uh, an investment uh, that the individual can get involved in. Help us out there. So if you're looking for timberland, um, which that's what Advanced Land Timber, we handle a lot of what we call managed timber tracks. And you're looking to, um, you've got some cash or you've got some investments and you want to put part of it. A lot of our people that buy from us are investors where they have a lot of stocks and bonds and things, but they also want 5 to 10% in timberland. And so they're, they're using a model of 5 to 7% return on their investment. That's annually. That's a 5 to 7% compounded. And so they're looking for tracks of managed timber tracks, and they're watching their bare land values, making sure it doesn't you know, it's not stronger than thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars an acre, and um, and so they're 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 buying it for that return. And they and uh, whether it's one year old pine or whether it's thirty year old pine, they're modeling it out. And um, in hardwoods, uh, the best way to do is find a track that's in say in a, in a pulpwood stage in the thirty to forty year old stage. And, and buy it in that, that range, so because it's going to be about 20-year growth. But once you get that 20-year that growth, the whole hardwood, pulpwood, you know, at pulpwood stage, it's a, a certain price, and it's, um, you know, it's only 3 to $5 a ton. But then when it hits that salt timber stage, that magic number, it goes to tw- from 5 to $30 a ton. Wow. So you see immediate. Yeah. And uh, so it's depending again hire a forester or 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 a knowledgeable realtor that's handling the product, you know whatever product you're looking at and making sure you get a second opinion but look at the track you're looking at have somebody do a either um, uh, you know grow it out for you to say hey what would it look like in 10 years or whatever 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 you're trying to accomplish uh, for investment sake, um, and that could be a fifty-year-old, uh, a fifty-acre track. Um, it could be fifty acres, sixty, hundred, thousand acres. You know, depending on it, you know, it all depends on your ability, to, you know, to uh, fund it. But um, you know, the folk, those tracks, you're looking for a nice, consistent. This is not um, appreciation on land at all. We're not counting for that. We're just counting on the timber. That's a nice seven to eight percent growth in certain counties like Sussex, Southampton, or if you're looking at mountain timberlands, you're looking at that three percent growth. And you have to have good soils. We didn't talk about soils. But no, soils mean a lot Absolutely. in timberlands, and so pay attention to your soils. Wow, we covered a lot of stuff so far, haven't we? I, I know. I'm sorry. I was no, on. no, this is great. <laughs> Have to get you back on. There's so much stuff to talk about, but uh, let's move to your company. I want to talk about them because uh, 
that's why you're here and, and uh, you know, you, you, you're making a great impression with your knowledge. So we want to make sure people can get in touch with you, Owen. But um, uh, tell me about your company. How long have they been in business? And go to their website, advancedlandandtimber.com, uh, unless you're driving. Please don't. But uh, use this as a reference point. One thing that I've noticed, uh, you guys aren't really involved in, in, in the MLSs, right? So most all of your listings or most of your listings are not advertised on the realtor.com, which I hate and some of these other third-party sites are in the MLS. Is that correct? That's correct. We, I work in two states, Virginia and North Carolina, and I find that I would have to be in, I would have to be a member of so many MLSs throughout the two states. I'd go broke in MLS fees. Oh, but um, it's not cheap. We focused on, and, and it, but it's not against. We do do MLSs, by the way, and certain if, when we have certain packages, Timberland. Sure, I understand. Time. We will go into it, but for the most part, we we weigh um, Lands of America, Landflip, Land not Landflip, but um, uh, Land Watch, and those others. We rely on those. And, and landhub.com. We got to get you on landhub.com. Pardon? We got to get you on my sponsor site, landhub.com. Get you on there too. Oh, they do a yeah, great no, job. that's a good. That's a good one. Yeah, put that into put, put a punch in for them because they do a great job because yeah, they do the yeah, social media too. That's a very good site. Yeah. I'm looking at your site right now. It says. There's 146 new tracks available, which totals about 36,553 acres for sale with a market value of around 106 million and change. So you got a calculator right here on your website right up front. And one thing that I like about your site it says advanced land and timber. We had the experience of not only state of thousands and thousands of acres in the sale of South Carolina and the other states, but we also have the knowledge and experience like you, Cal. You guys got quite a staff with a lot of experience. So uh, definitely want to check the website out, especially if you've been looking. I've got three or four clients right now. I've been looking for five and six months in two states, eight counties, nine counties, for a specific property. And it's just hard to find. People are not listing their property right now. Uh, I'm not real sure why, uh, but uh, I've never seen such a, a, uh, a low amount of inventory I was looking just in Surrey and Stokes County. There's 290 listings. That's from a one-acre track up uh, right now on the site. And normally, uh, if I go back three years, four years ago, I may see four or 500. It's at least 50%, 60% down on inventory. But a site like yours, if you can't find uh, what you're looking for, make sure you go to Advanced Land and Timber, and they cover the southeast. So, uh, you know, this is a national show. Uh, but uh, if you're looking in those uh, southeast area, make sure you go to their site because uh, uh, they're doing a great job. What what else can yeah, right now? Go ahead. Right now, I have 64 listings available in wow. Virginia, and um, so please check my website out. I'm down to, to I'm down to six. That's I've had as many as 200, and, and but um, I don't even, I don't even have any inventory. So if you want to sell some land around here, give me a call. I got a lot of buyers, and I'll get you more money than probably any of the other agents because I know how to play the game. But uh, you also, uh, I kind of like, too, on your website, you've got a section called Advanced Outdoors. And uh, that's really interesting uh, where you're talking about uh, uh, mostly hunting and fishing, right? Right, right. We um, Some of our southeastern states, um, that's really big, that's, um, especially North Carolina, um, South Carolina, and Georgia. Um, recreational properties are huge, um, very strong down there. Yeah, recreational has been hot for the last couple of years. We we have uh, 10 classes in the Realtors Land Institute's two-day, 16-hour certified courses, of which we have to have six of those and 10 million sales and all the other stuff to get that ALC, which are about 500 of us now. But uh, um, we actually, two years ago, wrote a whole class on recreational, how to market recreational land. Because it's just so hot. I mean, it's amazing uh, how that has taken off over the years. And to remind folks, you guys are uh, have land for sale in Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi, of course, here in North Carolina, South Carolina, and uh, and Calvin can help you out with his 60-plus listings in Virginia. So, um, and does it cost anything to list with your uh, with your company? You're just listing your your you're just Promoting your listings, right? 
Right. Yeah, no, it doesn't cost anything to um, for folks to list with us. Um, we'll be glad to talk about, you know, the commission, of course. Sure. But, um, no, sir. Okay. So uh, what makes you get up in the morning? My favorite question. What makes you get up in the morning? My favorite question. Uh, just talking to folks. Yeah. I love my business. I, I, will, I, I hope to be just as uh, have the energy that you have, Lou, at, when I'm 70, and just talking and helping folks uh, buy land, invest in land. Uh, and um, I just I, I love this industry. I love the outdoors aspect of it, but I also love the investment aspect of it. I yeah. love talking, seeing my clients do well financially and repeat and come back and buy more. And, um, you know, land is very important for wealth, building wealth. So It's, uh, it's the most I love important. talking about that. Land is the most and it's the best investment there is. It's not a piece of paper in a lockbox for somebody in another state uh, controlling the outcome of, of your money. Uh, it's something that you can walk on, you can uh, develop, uh, you can recreate on, you can pass on. Our family has over 900 acres uh, in Surrey County that great-granddaddy and granddaddy bought 18 farms from 1909 to 1929. And we're six generations right now, and not one inch has ever been sold outside the family. So uh, it has long-term heritage, uh, and uh, I don't know of anything better than, uh, than land as investment, but, you know, you need to make sure you talk to someone that knows what they're talking about, not the average person has the experience. Uh, you know, even this show here, you're 140, your podcast 147, I think. Uh, that's 147 hours of Let's Talk Land. And I haven't even touched 50% of all the different things that's involved in land and organizations uh, and companies like yours and experts like you, Calvin, to uh, bring to the show and share with the folks. Free land education out there, guys. But uh, So how do they get in touch with you? Sure. So you can find me two ways. Uh, you can go online and go to uh, advancedlandtimber.com and go to the state of Virginia. You'll find me. I'm, uh, I'm the only realtor in Virginia. You'll find me there for Advanced Land Timber. And then uh, you can also Google my name. Fortunately, I've been blessed or cursed, depending on which side it is, but my, my unique name, Carwin Owens, and uh, there's not many of us out there. And so you'll find me that way. And then last but not least, you're welcome to uh, feel free to give me a call at 434-841-0784. That's actually Jay Cohen Owens, by the way. So that even makes yep. you more unique. And that's for that's Jonathan, right? <clears throat> that's for Jonathan, right? The J? Uh, yes, sir. It Jonathan is for Cohen. Jonathan. Yes, okay, sir. so we know how to find you. Hey, stick around with us uh, so we can close out here. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We hope you like the show. If you have any topics or of interest that you'd like to know about, please contact us. Uh, this show is most importantly for buyers and sellers and landowners and for real estate agents and realtors that do not have a good source of education. Uh, my contact is lou at mylandpro.com. My phone number is 336-669-1405. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com, the only land site out there that actually does social media and you don't have to be a realtor to list your property so if you're looking to buy or sell make sure you go to landhub.com they do a great job and appreciate their sponsorship rodney how do they get in touch with us here well lou they can go to our website go to wkte1090.com and also download the simple radio app and hear all kinds of great happy music Simple? How simple is it? Pretty simple there. You just type in Simple Radio? Yeah, Simple Radio. Go to the Simple Radio app. And then you type in WKTE. Pops right up and then add it to your favorites there. Wow. Listen to us anywhere. In the world. In the world. In the universe. Yes, and the universe. And we play beach music and oldies music? That's right. But we only play what? Happy music. Right? Well, we don't have to reason. We got Shout here. Shout is wagging her tail (laughs) because she loves your music. That's right. We've got a contest going on. Uh, Teresa and I are giving away $500 uh, to anyone that can take our beautiful Wave logo, and you'll find it on the website, and make it happy. However you want to make that Wave happy because we want to be the only radio station on the East Coast that plays happy music. We want everybody to be happy. 
So go to our website mm-hmm. or on Facebook, and uh, and the contest will end June June thirtieth, and uh, so submit it in, and then we will be using that logo in the future to promote our Happy Radio Station. That's right, Lou. And we've won some nice awards, right? Yes, five years in a row being a top uh, radio station on the East Coast in wow, six you, years. You got a nice award. Yeah, the Reader's Choice Announcer of the Year Award. Well, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. So we'll see you next week for Let's Talk Land. Thank you for joining us.